Welcome to the ALN podcast series. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome. Thank you all for being here today with me on this January 20, 2022. Uh, Nick Kenoki here, Director of Technology for the Asset Leadership Network, and I'm excited today for a special session of ALN Thursdays at 3 focused on the A55K professional certification. Uh, before we get to Lindsay Ziegler, president of the Andrew James Advisory Group, uh, we want to thank our patron sponsors, uh, patron members. Uh, as you can see here on the screen, we've got four of them so far and we're looking for more. So if you're interested in being a patron member or an organizational member of a variety of levels, please reach out to the Asset Leadership Network uh, anyone here, Mike, myself, or anyone can help you go further in that direction. Uh, and then I'd like to introduce, to start us off, Mike Bordenero, uh, Executive Director of the Asset Leadership Network, and he will introduce today's speakers. Hello, Nick, and how are things in Lander, Wyoming today? Oh, they're great. Started off like a frozen mist, looked post-apocalyptic, and now the sun's shining, so no complaints here. Beautiful. So uh, thank you. And uh, very special thanks to uh, Lindsay uh, Ziegler and uh, our other guest, uh, Alex Berenblit from LMI. And it is very different. We're uh, handing over the reins to uh, Lindsay to uh, have a discussion today. And uh, we're looking forward to that. But before Lindsay and Alex have their discussion, there are just a few things that I want to point out. Uh, this is focused on the uh, training and the ALN A55K certification. Uh, Andrew James Advisory Group provides the training. And we've got enough member uh, people trained now that we've launched a uh, LinkedIn webpage just for the uh, uh, ALN A55K professional certification members. And uh, we're doing quarterly meetings. And our first quarterly meeting for A55K professionals is going to be on February 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, please sign up for that if you're a A55K professional. And also, um, we have another program on January 31st on infrastructure and what asset leadership means to the infrastructure spending bill that comes up. We're going to have uh, uh, people from the Army Corps of Engineers where a lot of the spending will be occurring. Uh, we've got a person uh, from Grant Thornton who has state and local government experience and understands what's necessary to improve the use of funds for holistic management of assets and a bunch of other people will have more material on that. But uh, January 31st at 3 p.m., put that on your radar. And without further ado, 
uh, Lindsay Ziegler, president of the Andrew James Advisory Group and the, the, the main trainer. I was lucky enough to be in Lindsay's uh, first class and I'm so happy that I attended that. It really made so many things that I thought I understood obsolete and made a lot of things more clear. So I'm very appreciative of the training and look forward to your conversation with Alex. Thank you, Mike. Um, I wanna start by just thanking Alex to, for joining us this afternoon because um, of course Alex has been, um, ever since he first took the training uh, two years ago? Almost, yeah. Yeah, pretty yep. close. Yep. Um, Alex has been a very strong proponent of um, ISO 55000 education in general and our training courses in particular. And we're very appreciative of that. Um, so as a, as a person who's been a strong supporter of the ISO 55000 education, Alex, what do you think the benefits are of this training for organizations and individuals? Well, what we what I would say is the benefits really are that traditionally uh, folks have thought about individual kinds of assets. So you have personal property professionals like I have been for a long time, and you have people that really understand real property and infrastructure and, and those kinds of assets, and even other forms of assets like intellectual property. And they tend to stick into what I've been uh, counseled to call cylinders of excellence, what we sometimes refer to as silo thinking. And where ISO really benefits an organization that is using it uh, is it helps think about all the assets holistically and how they do inter interact and they do interdepend. So that's the benefit for the organization. For the individual, similarly, uh, you know, where I got interested in it was, okay, I knew personal property, but I knew that there was other kinds of stuff. And I know I'm not a, uh, like a facilities guy. I don't know facilities very well as an example. Um, I also knew that people at my organization at LMI knew infrastructure or they knew facilities, but they didn't really understand my world. Mm -hmm. um, the advantage for us is we have a better perspective, a better appreciation for the other kinds of assets so that we can work better as a team. LMI does consulting to the federal government. We can provide consulting from more than one perspective. And that's been the principal benefit to LMI, as an example. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so since the beginning of the pandemic, um, all of our training has been online and we call it a hybrid approach. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that was like from your perspective. What was the course like? Okay, thank you. Uh, the, the, we did, I, okay, so uh, we'll start by saying that the way we approached it, I thought I was going to get a maybe a half a dozen people from our company to take the training and it turned out to be several waves and over 40 people. We participated in the training um, 
in a, in a hybrid as you describe. And so it was uh, part video like we're having now, it was video webinars and it was part self-paced. Um, I found that to be very effective in part because it didn't tie any of us up for a full day for several days, which can be very difficult when we all have our regular jobs to do. Um, but it also gave us time to think through what we were learning. So it wasn't all very focused over, let's say, three or four days. It was over a period of, as I recall, two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were able to really focus on individual pieces of the training as we went through it and give, the, give it the, the thought that it merited. So a little less like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. Yep. And we, I, I think all of us would agree that, uh, that took the course, would, would agree that we, uh, that was beneficial in us absorbing the information and mm -hmm. really being able to digest it and think it through. Mm -hmm. And then you all, every one of you took the exam and talk a little bit about what that was like. Well, um, there may be a number of people on the uh, on on this uh, call on this uh, ALN at three that uh, may be PMP professionals or CPAs or other uh, professional certifications such as that. Um, the exam is hard, but it's not brutal. Uh, ALN administers the course. Uh, there is uh, a proctoring, but it's done by video. Um, you're able to take it pretty much at your own time schedule. Um, and uh, as I say, the, the exam is, is it, the best way I can describe it is the way I just did, which is it's tough, but it's not brutal. It's fair. Uh, the questions are not um, annoyingly filled with double and triple negatives. <laughs> uh, and what focuses on is really the, the, the meat of the certification pr process and what does it mean? Uh-huh. And, and what I like to tell people is, um, now my, I took the exam in the very first round of them. So my recollection of the, the questions is not good. Um, I have slept since then several times. Um, <laughs> but um, there are questions that you could call tricky. Yeah. But they're not trick questions. They're not designed to trip you up. Right. They're just detailed. Yes, I would agree. Yes, and they're detailed and they, you have to, there isn't necessarily an obvious answer, but they're not, the questions are not phrased in a way, in a, in a manner intended to trip you up. Right. Right. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I've done the other kind of exams. They drive me crazy. Yes, ma'am. So then, so then you go through the, the training and you go through the process of taking the exam mm -hmm. and then what changes for the individual? What do they see? Well, what the, you know, the, 
the the uh, somewhat trivial things is you now are authorized to, to use the term that you are an A55K professional. And that's good for the business card. It's good for uh, individual, um, I'll call it uh, job qualifications and competencies for uh, when it's time for the inevitable annual review. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good for all that. It, it, uh, if you're in a situation where you're a consultant such as myself, it, it's uh, another uh, competency or certification you could present to a client. So that's good. That's useful for the individual. Uh, again, mm -hmm. for the individual, it arms you with um, a broader perspective than you had before. You see things through a slightly different lens. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a former uh, photographer. That's how I paid for college. Uh, so I'll use the, it widens the aperture. I'll use that phrase. You're able to see things much more broadly than, you know, uh, you know I've been doing personal property for about 25 years, uh, uh, both managing personal property for uh, my employer, uh, government property, and then for the about the last four years, I've been consulting to federal agencies, trying to help them manage their personal property better. But mm -hmm. now I'm armed with a broader perspective, that wider aperture to understand more than a personal property. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I appreciate about the standard is it really does not limit you to thinking about a particular aspect of asset management. Indeed. And I will credit, uh, among others, Jim Dieter, uh, who is a colleague of mine through the National Property Management Association. That's where I know Jim from. Mm -hmm. uh, I will credit him with helping acquaint me with that. Well, and I'm going to say that I want to credit Jim with uh, developing the original materials. So um, we yeah. have Jim to thank for lots of things, lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim has been a, a, a great driver in a lot of this and just getting this process started without Jim, it wouldn't have happened. Agreed. And, you know, Jim, Jim briefed, uh, I forget what year it was, but Jim briefed uh, the national education seminar, which is an MPMA event. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just as he was helping uh, lead the technical committee uh, that uh, was charged with essentially creating ISO 55000. Uh, and he briefed us early on in the process and then through the process until it was actually became a published standard. And, uh, you know, I've been following that ever since that first session where he briefed us. And it really helped me think things more broadly, as I say. I don't want to repeat myself, but it really helped me think things differently. That's a that's a, a, a good way to look at it, I think. And and even though, you know, I have at, at least some background in understanding um, how assets work, I've learned a lot from not only from originally taking the program, but from teaching it, because yeah, yeah, sure. part of what I think is, is um, interesting about the, what we call our hybrid approach is that we also have um, live discussions Absolutely. with members of the class. And 
those discussions are tend to be very broad ranging. Um, the class I'm teaching right now, um, I throw out one question and they'll talk for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And everybody learns when that happens. Oh, certainly. And I think it's it's that's one of the strengths that I think of the program is it's not just you're going to sit down and you're going to watch these video lectures. It's also communicating with other people, sometimes within your organization, sometimes with other organizations. Agreed. And you you can learn a lot that way. Yeah. I think and, the LMI yeah, classes yeah. were all dedicated, if I remember rightly. They were all dedicated to LMI. Right. <clears throat> but they were, uh, they included, as I said, as I described early on in this conversation, they included people with deep expertise in let's say infrastructure or deep expertise in real property facilities and people like me in, in property, uh, in personal property, uh, Steve, Steve Holland, uh, we, we understand personal or what I like to refer to as stuff. <laughs> um, but thinking about, okay, you got stuff, that stuff goes into buildings. Those buildings have infrastructure Got, think about all of it and how they interact and how they they depend on each other and yeah all that so there's a lot of benefit to be had from those conversations indeed um so we already talked about um how you felt you benefited from the training mm-hmm. um what about the other folks in lmi are you hearing similar feedback absolutely um the facilities, the people that know facilities, for example, and support federal agencies as they as they think through where they're going to go with facilities and how to support their clients, they're asking questions that they hadn't thought of before. Well, what kind of personal property do you have, and where do, where is it located? In which real property? Which buildings is it in? Is it properly located? Do you have too much excess? They're asking questions like that that never would have occurred to them before. Mm-hmm. And now the opportunity for many firms such as ours, but certainly for LMI and the opportunity for our clients, U.S. government agencies, is what what you've seen referred to as the new normal. Okay, in COVID, post-COVID, whatever whatever COVID is going to look like down the road, it's very unlikely to go back to the way things were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So more of the workforce is going to be remote mm-hmm. and continue to be remote even after the threat of COVID diminishes. Mm-hmm. Is remote telework going to continue? And if it does, how does that alter what the facility should look like? How does that alter where stuff is or should be? Mm -hmm. And then you have the other indirect impacts on assets like information technology, information security, all that stuff. Suddenly you think beyond the boundaries you were thinking about. 
that's the power that uh, that ISO 55000 has to get you thinking much more broadly uh, than has been traditional. And the strategic asset management plan that's behind the main thought of ISO 55000, the strategic asset management plan to me gives an opportunity for an organization to think through all of that, not just a piece or two pieces of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, and the SAMP is a really, really strong document. Yeah. Um, if it's built and used properly. Indeed. So it, it does need to be used properly. I mean, you can't just write a SAMP and stick it on a shelf. Correct. Uh, because then you're not, you're not really doing what you're supposed to be doing with that. It's supposed to be written so that it can guide the asset management plans at the, the next level down and yeah. so that it can um, really provide a template for this is where we want to go. So your organizational objectives. Yeah. Um, this is how we want to get there. And these are the things that are important to us as an organization. If I may offer an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is going back to COVID. Hope you don't mind. A SAMP has to be a living document and has to grow with the organization, has to be modified and be a living document. Prior to COVID, how much thought was given to stockpile, national stockpile infor, uh, equipment that was put on a shelf in case it might be needed someday. Yeah, it was put on a shelf and pretty much forgotten about. A real example that we may or may not remember, and it, it, it has to do with warehouse, it has to do with inventory, it has to do with all that stuff. So it's not limited to the equipment. At the very beginning of COVID, 700 ventilators were badly needed by California to help patients live. There was a national stockpile of ventilators and they were shipped from a federal warehouse to California. Upon arrival, they discovered that of 700 ventilators, zero were ready to work. Fortunately, the government of California found a local provider, a local servicer that could get them working. It took them about 10 days to get 700 ventilators working. But those 10 days, patients were in the hospital very badly needing those ventilators. Yeah. My only point about that is they should have been maintained. That's mm -hmm. part of warehouse management. That's part of maintenance. That's personal property. But it's also where were they located? Were they located optimally mm -hmm. in, which, in which buildings mm -hmm. ready to go? Yeah. And, well, and this, uh, the, my only point is uh, a SAMP would have maybe thought that through better. Yeah. Well, of course, part of your SAMP is your risk management strategy. How yep. do you manage risk yep. um, within your organization? And um, one of the examples that I've used in the past is um, 
back when everybody decided that just-in-time inventory was the, the next best thing to sliced bread and you shouldn't ever keep any inventory on hand or just enough to work for, you know, a couple days. Yep. Um, and nobody, when they were creating those processes, seems to have thought about assessing the risk of transportation disruptions of um, a major factory fire that means that nobody is making semiconductors. Right. Um, And and suddenly, when something catastrophic happens, you're completely unprepared. Agreed. Yep. And and there's nothing you can do. And that's the kind of thing that, and and the, the ventilators are another excellent example of that. What's the point in having these ventilators if they're not working? Right. Somebody who needs the ventilator needs it now, not a week and a half from now. Correct. And from a facility standpoint, we'll go back to the new normal for a moment. The office configuration that had been the norm for the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Do you need that configuration now? Or do you need something different? Yeah, good question. Well, and, and what some of the research that I've recently read is that they're finding that in a lot of cases, um, a lot of managers were very leery of having people work from home, but they're finding in a lot of cases, people are more productive Absolutely. working from home. Absolutely. And which is, uh, yeah, which, which is, well, until people you're are in surprised situation- by it. Yes, people are surprised by it because they were not in a position of being able to think it through in advance. And that's one of the beauties of a strategic asset management plan is it forces senior leadership, the tone at the top, to think through beyond the immediate. Right. Right. And so within LMI, how would you say that has um impacted the the organization i mean you talked about how um people are thinking more broadly as you said they widened the aperture yep um has it brought different opportunities oh indeed it has um agencies federal agencies our clients uh, are uh sometimes independently sometimes with our help beginning to think through that more strategic perspective and that's bringing us, yes, I'll be bold, probably, you know, to bold here and say it's bringing us opportunity, us as, as a consultant to the federal agencies. But it's also helping our clients, the agencies, think through more broadly than they had been. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the, um, what trends do you see brewing in the ISO 55000 front, particularly in the U.S.? Um, the, the trends that I see really with respect to ISO 55,000 is uh, it is um, the thought process behind ISO 55,000 is no longer a novelty. It's becoming more understood more broadly across the United States and internationally. Um, I think the general thinking of ISO 55000 was probably further along in Europe than it was in the United States, uh, you know, un- until, the, uh, until the work that the 
technical committee that created ISO 55000 uh, existed and did its work. Um, the United States across the board is, again, it's no more, it's no longer a novelty. It's becoming much more normal, if you will. Accepted really and just, important. That's really just happened in the last couple of years. That's correct. Because when we first started, um, yeah, a lot of the interest was outside the U.S. Indeed. Um, Canada, Australia, the U.K. Um, are yeah. all way ahead of us in terms of implementing it. Um, I remember yeah. that I, it was either 2018 or 2019, there were more copies of the standards sold in China than in all the rest of the world combined. Mm -hmm. So clearly China is uh, thinking about this. And um, I know from our conversations with our um, Central American partners, um, mm -hmm. Danielle Ortiz. Uh, oh, yeah. There are countries in Central and South America that are absolutely mandating it for some of their utilities. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that started with Colombia that where they have uh, mandated it for water utilities. I believe it's water. It's either water or electric. I think it's water though. Um, so that, so that, there's, that's there's all encouraging, movement. I think, not just for us that care about ISO 55,000 and have for a while, mm -hmm. but I think it's encouraging for the United States writ large. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it, I think it also helps that um, the, uh, I want to say, the GAO, the General Accounting Office, um, I think that's right. Accountability. Um, accountability Office, thank you. I knew there was something missing right there. Um, <laughs> Used to be accounting. They they are um, strongly suggesting that federal agencies look at asset management as a management discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where ISO 55000 comes in because that is, that's what ISO 55000 does. It defines it as a management discipline. Indeed. And that's, that's very different from the engineering view of asset management, which is also important. I mean, you, you, you've got to have the guys turning the wrenches. You got to have the guys turning the wrenches and you have to have the uh, financial people worrying about the financial aspect of, finan of, uh, of assets, but it's not limited to that. Right. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. And I just have to say your distinction about the engineering perspective of asset management and the management perspective is really beneficial. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so I guess I'm uh, jumping on and taking over uh, part of Nick's role here, but uh, uh, Nick will come on soon enough. And uh, he just came, he just popped in. He'll, he'll there he wrap is. things up with the uh, uh, our uh, organizational members. Uh, thanks, but uh, uh, do you have any final statements, either one of you, about the training, the certification benefits? Um, we did have somebody type a question for Alex. Oh my! Um, this person wanted to know what 
holistic asset management means to you. Okay. Holistic asset management to me is nothing more complicated or complex than thinking about I'll use I'll use a pronunciation that our dear friend Doug Getz would use. All of it. <laughs> and by that I mean it, it no one particular kind of asset is the only thing that matters. What matters is the interplay, the interrelationship between all forms of assets. That to me is thinking about the whole, the gestalt, the, you know, whatever word you like about holistic thinking. Thank you. Great answer, Alex. And what came to my mind was that, you know, maximizing within one silo or within one asset class or one area of management can never reach that optimal mission success for an enterprise or an organization, or, you know, you need to be thinking, like you said, about all of it. You need to be aware of what's going on in all the other cylinders of excellence. Lovely. And with that, I will uh, just thank again, our patron sponsors that uh, make this possible this and other programs, uh, as well as our organizational members, of which Andrew James Advisory Group is one. We are very happy that they continue to uh, do programs like this with us, the A55K training course, uh, among other things. And uh, yeah, again, thank you to all our organizational members and thank you to our speakers for today for this awesome conversation about the power and value of A55K. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to all the audience uh, for joining us. And please come back next week. And then uh, again on the 31st um, for the uh, roundtable. And if you're an A55K member, sign up for the first quarterly program that we'll have on February 1st at 3 p.m. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. And we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com.